Welcome back to Dateline New Haven on WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass inviting you to look behind the headlines of the stories that make our community tick. Well, we just got finished talking about democracy in New Haven. There's a lot of talk about democracy in Israel and whether there's even going to be democracy in Israel, the Middle East, I guess, leading democracy historically, if it's right. And to help us figure out why people are taking to the streets there and why democracy is a top issue, we have the person WNHH always turns to to try to understand what's happening in Israel. Sibi Smilovitz is an American correspondent for Israel's largest circulation print newspaper, Note, and she lives here in New Haven. She's based here writing about America for Israel, her native country, and now she can tell us what's going on. Sibi, thank you so much for coming back to Dateline New Haven. Thank you for having me, Paul. And um, the first question I have to ask you is, why did 100,000 people just take to the streets in Jerusalem? And they say democracy at stake, violence is feared. The ceremonial president, Isaac Herzog, says the country's on the brink of constitution and social collapse. What's going on? Well, it's complicated. Um, there's a new government in Israel, uh, pretty new. It's a very far-right-wing government, probably the most far-right-wing government in the history of Israel. And uh, they want to, um, to reform the courts. That's, that's the language they use. Mm-hmm. Uh, change something that regards basically the Supreme Court. Uh, the problem is that this reform... Uh, when you look at the details, uh, pretty much make the courts obsolete mm-hmm. and uh, give all the power to the government. And when the government has all the power, it's not really a democracy anymore. Mm. Even if it's an elected government? Yes, yes. Um, there's an elected government in the United States and everywhere else in the Western world and in big democracy. And you still can do whatever you want. There is a, a system of there are checks and balances. Checks and balances, and that's what gave Israel the reputation of the only democracy in the in the Middle East because of this system and a very respected uh, judicial system. Israel's Supreme Court is highly respected around the world, and if this reform will pass, that means that this court have almost no power at all. Mm. So let's tell people what the reforms are. So they're saying that a simple vote in the Knesset, which is the legislature, would be able to overrule any Supreme Court decision. Yes. Um, the Knesset would, in effect, become choosing the judges. There's now a panel that they might participate in, but they become the majority. And then they would, um, the Supreme Court would no longer be able to protect minority rights, for instance, on expanding settlements, preventing... A, Palestinian state, the kind of rules for Palestinians now, they're often protected by the Supreme Court, which is unelected because that's... Yeah. And, and then finally, um, there's a concern about the, uh, the new prime minister, Bibi Netanyahu, who might be going to prison if there's a corruption case that continues to be prosecuted. So he wants to... His personal goal is to be able to not be prosecuted, correct? He's already been prosecuted. I mean, there's already ongoing trial... He wants to, uh, you know, basically cancel the trial. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that. That's what he wants. And that, how would that happen under this reform? Well, if he has his own judges, mm-hmm. then that's it. You don't need more. The thing with the, with the Supreme Court, it's not. Yeah, we we talk a lot about the Supreme Court being 
kind of the only defense that Palestinians has under the occupation. But it's not that just that. Israel doesn't have a constitution. All, right. all we have is a bunch of what you, call, you can call a Bill of Rights. And this, the Supreme Court defends so many civil rights, human rights, uh, property rights, uh, economical rights, uh, labor rights. All of these things are being protected by the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court is obsolete, it's not just that the Palestinians won't have the minimum defense that they have. It's going to hurt every Israeli citizen. Mm -hmm. So now you mentioned how in the United States, the courts are protecting rights enshrined in the Constitution. They're supposed to. Israel deliberately did not ever create a Constitution. And I thought, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, the idea always was there's some pretty tough issues that have to be settled about what makes it a democracy and whose rights are what, and that instead of killing each other over it, they decided to just indefinitely delay some of those questions by not having it written down in a constitution. Are we seeing, so what substitutes for the constitution? Where are those rights enshrined that the, the Supreme Court can then point to to uphold yeah, minority again, rights? Yeah, again, it's what you called... Uh, uh, in Hebrew, it's like basic rights. It's it's just it's a bill of rights. It's a bunch of points. Is it written? It is written, and it is a law. Is it precedent or is it a law? Like a lot of times, it's court precedent now. It's, when Roe it's was both. overturned here, we talked about what is precedent and what isn't. No, no, it's it's a law, but it's I mean there are laws that uh, uh, defend really basic civil rights. There are laws that defends your property. I mean, one basic law, one hockey sword is that Israel, the IDF is the only military that is legal. You cannot just wake up in the morning and mm. build your own military. I mean, stuff like that, that made this country a, a democracy in a reality that is unlike anywhere else because Israel still occupied territories and still control other people. So uh, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a clash that is all a result. At the end of the day, everything that happens is a result of the occupation because Israel never managed to fix this. And, and, and now we get to a point where a lot of people in Israel, they support this reform because all they see is the Supreme Court doesn't let the IDF to do whatever they want. So we need to change that. But a lot of people don't see everything else. The fact that the Supreme Court can decide that somebody who, has, who is a criminal cannot serve as a prime minister. I mean, that's logical. But it, now, with this proposal, they need 61 votes. The Knesset has 120 um, members of Congress, quote-unquote. They need 60, 61 votes, and they just rule... They just reverse every. They can just reverse every decision of the Supreme Court. So anyone can be president. It doesn't uh, prime minister. It doesn't matter what your resume. It doesn't matter if you are a criminal. If you are, or in Netanyahu's case, he is a prime minister under indictment. Right. We're talking to Sibi Smilovitz, who's our resident Israel expert, American correspondent for Israel's largest circulation newspaper here on WNHH-FM. So one, one thing's been interesting when I've looked at this, I always wonder, when we talk about democracy, do we sometimes 
use it as a stand-in for what we're really concerned about. So in America, liberals always champion the Supreme Court for holding up the promises of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution by ordering desegregation of schools, for legalizing abortion. And then the right would always say that was not a democratic process. The left would say, well, they were holding up the values in the Constitution, which is part of what democracy is. It's just about voting everything by simple majority. It's also having minority, role, minority rights and rule of law and, and civil rights. And the, the right always said unelected judges are, should not be deciding our big issues. We should be having it done through our representatives in Congress. Now those two sides have changed sides because of who the judges are and what they're yeah. ruling. So yeah. now the left in America says these unelected judges got rid of Roe and we have to go to Congress or state legislators to pass that law. So I step back and say, well, I think those are real issues about democracy is the bigger issue. We always look at process, but we're really looking at what we want the result to be. So in Israel, the country's moved far right, right? We yeah. agree. So you says like Texas, like red state Texas, right? So if people democratically vote for non-democratic ends, if people in a democracy funded, founded on certain principles, if a majority of them don't want to abide by those principles, how do we decide what, which side is democracy? So Netanyahu says this democracy, we had an yeah. election, we won. And the majority of people want these changes. They feel the judges out of hand and Congress should decide these things. They don't really want it. He's not saying this. They don't want to buy Carol former government with checks and balances and you said that's what made Israel different because it had the judiciary is he wrong that that getting rid of what we consider democracy is actually a democratic process in Israel that's what people want well you know I don't want to go to uh, I don't want to make a to make comparison to very dark regimes in the past all were elected in a democratic way. Right, Hitler ways. was elected democratically. Exactly. Victor exactly. Orban was elected democratically exactly. and went on with a mission of what, getting rid of democracy. What What Netanyahu is trying to do is turn Israel to Hungary. Victor mm -hmm. Orban is really the model. Um, Who's an anti-Semite? Yeah, we or pursues anti-Semitism. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't we don't talk about Donald Trump history of anti-Semitism too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can say most people voted and elected this uh, this this government, and, and nobody stopped them. By, by the way, they can they can uh, vote and and enhance this reform tomorrow. Nobody stopped them. You have demonstrating demonstration of a, I mean, it it looks massive, and and it's it's important that we see this, especially since it's really very organic there are no leaders there is nobody who who, who leads this you're talking opposite. about the protest movement that yeah. had 100,000 people on the streets yeah. it's a big crowd in Jerusalem there, there's no there's no leader nobody is and nobody's walking into the vacuum and and lead the opposition in this really existential threat moment there's absolutely no one so it's a very organic grassroots but it's still it's very small you, it's very small. 200,000 people in a country of eight, nine million. It's very small. And we saw that because now Labor Party had what, like four seats, and the yeah. another one of the Labor Parties have nobody now. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing is that the country moved so far to the right in the last 10, 15 years that we are where we are now. And and Netanyahu, yeah, he has a point. 
people here democratically elected and non-democratic government. Yeah. And, and that's what we're going to do. So I guess that's a question for people like us who, when we talk about democracy, we have a very specific idea in mind that we're always going to protect the right of minorities yes. and rule of law so everybody has a chance to have rights protected and, and being heard and that majorities can't be a tyranny. But are we wrong? And also, is it irrevocable? So Hitler gets elected democratically and immediately gets rid of democracy so he can't have it anymore. Is there some way to build, bake into democracy protections so that you have rule of law, so you have balance of powers? Or is, is that the wrong thing to seek if maybe human beings don't want that? Maybe human beings at this point, maybe human, human beings are not built to self-governance. Maybe they're just, maybe people deserve to be under dictatorships because human beings are awful. Maybe. I don't mean awful. We have competing desires. Yeah. We, to take care of each other and to protect ourselves and our tribe. Yeah, but we're talking about freedom here. Yeah. We're talking about, I mean, basic freedom. Right. It's, so if they democ- often cut people will democratically vote to curtail freedoms, right? I, yeah, exactly. I mean, let's say that the Supreme Court in Israel becomes obsolete. I mean, they can protect you in any way. Tomorrow, the government decides that all your pensions belongs to the to the country, belongs to the government. What are you doing? There is nobody who can protect you. This is not about um, what you can or can't do to the Palestinians. It's not. It's not even about um, Netanyahu. It's it's about really basic basic rights, and and a lot of people in Israel they just don't get it. And then um, from the left, the argument is that while they think it's bad what the government is doing. It's so fundamentally, there's such a fundamental ignoring of Palestinian rights and, and that a lot of what this is about underneath is going for more settlements, deporting people who speak up and jailing them, Palestinians having crackdowns on demonstrations that they're saying is not such a big idea because it's not, not going to be de- true democracy because nobody is really pushing for democracy of Palestinians. Is that an accurate way to look at it? Yeah, but it's a very, very minority opinion in Israel. The left that you describe almost does not exist in Israel. Or Palestinian rights activists, say, who, who live in Israel, yeah. say, as long as we, n- neither side is really, as long as America, uh, Israeli population, Jewish population is so overwhelmingly voting against democracy for Palestinians, these are other sideshow issues. It's kind of fundamental. It's not sideshow, but it's a, it's a result. It's, it's a consequence. It's, um, so you're saying that the it's a ripple the, effect. It's everything Everything starts with the occupation. With the occupation, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But a left Israel that really care about that almost does not exist today. Mm-hmm. So you're making the point, Sippy, that even if the Palestinian occupation issue is fundamental, this other issue is tied into it. That democracy, in terms of basic structures of government if you fight for that you also be fighting for a way to yeah. protect minority rights yeah uh, and and what i'm saying is that without the occupation so many things that led to this massive divide in the israeli society wouldn't happen so we are where we are because 
because of the occupation. We got to this point because we had to do all kinds of um, deals and signed all kinds of codes, which led to assassination of a prime minister, which led to, and that changed the country. I mean, we it, talked about that last time. There yeah. assassination. So, what are you looking forward? What should the United States do? What should Biden do? What should American Jews do about the changes in Israel? I don't think that Biden's going to do anything, to be honest. I think that when it comes to Israel, he is one of the most pro Israel presidents ever. So, there is a confidence in the Israeli right that they can do whatever they want in the United States. We never, we never draw a red line. And they are right. It's never going to happen. There is almost, a, there is nothing that Israel might do and will make the United States object in, in a real way, not just, you know, mm. statement from the White House. Um, it's not going to happen. So I don't expect Biden to do anything beside um, him and, and Blinken releasing statement, talking behind the scene, trying to, to, you know, to postpone this thing. Everything about America and the Middle East is just, let's postpone everything. Let's, let's, let's leave another day. What would you like American Jews to do? I don't know if there are anything that they, they can do. I mean, liberal America, liberal Jewish America is already uh, kind of pariah in, in, in Israel because it's a liberal, progressive, yeah. lefty community. So the influence is less. The influence is, is almost, it, it's almost vanished. Mm. So do you have any hope as someone born there? How are you feeling about all this? I'm anxious, to be honest. Um, this is, you know, this is an existential threat. Uh, not, it's not, uh, it's not like war. It's not like the Yom Kippur war. It's not like, but as a society, this might be a break that I don't know if we can put together. Mm. Well, thanks for giving us the warning. Next time you come, we're going to have good news, right? That yeah. Somehow we got through this. You always invite me to talk about good news. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to come back next time with good news to report that we're going to find some way through it. Yeah, okay. Not just in Israel, but in Hungary and even the United States. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and how's it, how are things at you note? How's that beat going? All good. Yeah. All good. What was your favorite story you covered recently? Um... Actually, I had an interview with two French guys who did the, who did a movie about January 6th, and uh, that was fascinating. I don't think a lot of Americans understand how close this country was to a real disaster, and and the movie is shocking. So that was my last interview. It's yeah. so interesting. It was done by French filmmakers, interviewed by Israeli reporter to see what we're yeah, not but, seeing in yeah, our but country. They, yeah, but they live in America, so they're just they were just born in French. Well, thank you as always. What a treat it is to talk to you, Sippy. Thank you, Paul. On WNHHFM. Thanks for helping us understand a little better what's behind the headlines. Thanks, Paul. Thanks to Harry Dross, the best station manager on any of the multiple platforms in our multiverse. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night, and all weekend long on WNHH. New Haven's home for community radio.